This morning we're going to continue our series on Let Us Pray. And before you check out and think, oh, this is another sermon on prayer, I want you to just take a moment and think about life. Just this week, the things that's come at me that I've heard about has broken my heart to a point of tears, and it has to do with life. I found out this week that my mom has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And that hit my heart, my heart hard to know she's in the beginning stages of a midline of Alzheimer's. We had seen some possibilities there, and we wondered what was going on. That's tough. I also got a text from someone who had had cancer removed from their eye, and they went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, there's another spot, and we're very concerned. I've talked to a widow this week who's asking the question, why? Why did he ever even marry me? Another call this week came from someone that many of us know in this room that out of the blue, the word cancer has come into her life. So much in her brain and in her lungs and in her kidney that they can't even count the number of spots. Life stinks. Sometimes it comes at us unknowingly wrapped in tragedy. Pain, hurt. Sometimes it comes wrapped to us in joy. And it's wrapped like a grand prize that you would win. And we get excited and we thank God for it. But when life hurls stones so hard that they break us to tears, we who are born again believers who trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have a place to turn. Trials do not make a person, but let me be clear, they reveal what kind of person you truly are. When our faith is tried, when our faith is tested, when things come that has to do with life, we are revealing our worth and our truth of what we believe. You can find that in 1 Peter chapter 1 that is talked about. God certainly knows our hearts even before we are tried, but we do not know our hearts sometimes before we are tried. And that trying reveals to us who we are. Others do not know what we are worth. Sometimes we don't know what we are worth. But can I declare to you, God knows your worth even in the midst of your toughest trial and your deepest hurt. God's worth for you was so much that He gave His one and only Son for you. To die on a cross for you. So as we dive in today, I want us to be mindful that there are some in this room, some who are connected to our church, that are hurting. 
Maybe today you have questions. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you, you're not sure which way to go. Maybe you've had a tough week. It's been a busy week, an overwhelming week. Maybe it's just been something that it's been hard to deal with. But let me bring some words of encouragement to you today. That in the midst of all of that, Jesus Christ is still King of kings and Lord of lords, and He still loves you in the middle of it. So what is the ultimate goal for us, even though all this stuff goes on? What is our ultimate goal? Well, we're going to look at that today in 2 Thessalonians. We're going to be reading out of 2 Thessalonians. We've been in 1 Thessalonians for a few weeks, talking about the prayers of Paul. We're now going to look at one in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that I believe can give us hope and meaning today. After writing the first letter in 1 Thessalonians to the church at Thessalonica, writing to the Christians who were meeting together in that place, Paul was encouraging them because they were being persecuted. That persecution continued into the second letter, and some of them were getting worried, especially because they were being treated bad by people, and they were beginning to worry about how they were getting treated, and there was no retribution. That they were, they were being pushed down and persecuted, and Paul is encouraging them, listen, there will come a judgment. And for those of you who are faithful to Christ, you don't have to worry about this particular judgment because on judgment day, they will give an account to God of whether they know Christ or they do not. So if you're being treated ugly by someone today who is not a Christian, take heart. God takes note of everything that's done to you. Now, as we dive into this, Paul is wanting to encourage them. And he talks about the, the, the judgment and the second coming of Christ and how important it is. But he picks up in verse 11 and he says this, To this, this end also we pray for you always. Hey, this isn't in, in the notes, but you might want to write this down. If you want to be biblical in your praying, pray for one another always. Don't ever stop praying for each other. To this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. And there's where, where I want us to begin because he is praying something for this church that's facing some difficulties. You know what we often forget? The people who heard this letter the very first time were like you and I. One day, some man woke up when the sun came up. He had breakfast, and he made his way to a place called church. And there, this letter was read in front of him. He was dealing with being married, with kids, trying to provide for his family. The man could sweat, he could hurt, and he could bleed. These are not just words written to some obscure imaginary person, but to a real individual, to a mother, to a daughter, to a woman who was sick. He writes these words to people like you and I who had hopes and dreams. And he writes the words to say God can do great things and this is what I am praying for you. Pray that God will count you worthy of your calling. That's the very first thing we can see here in verse 11. Pray that God will count you worthy of your calling. 
What in the world does that mean? I want to first and foremost clarify this morning that does not mean that you have to be worthy to accept Jesus Christ. Because i got news for you. There's not a single person. I don't care how good looking your wife is, how sweet and wonderful she is to you, how nice she has been, or how handsome your husband is. No one in this room is worthy of Jesus Christ. None of us. This isn't about measuring up to his standards so that Jesus will say, yep, that's the one that I want to save. He looked at every single one of us in our mess, in our ugliness, and said, that person is worthy. So that worthiness of grace that we receive does not have anything to do with our actions. But what this is referring to is once we receive that grace, how we live. See, we have a positional place with Christ, but this isn't so much about position as it is about our practical application, our practical life of how we live. See, we don't have to be worthy to obtain salvation, but once we receive it, There's a standard by which Paul is praying that we will live up to. That God will see you worthy of the calling. God sent Jesus Christ from heaven to die on a cross for you and I. And yet every single day, men and women just push that sacrifice to the side for the betterment of themselves. Let's look at it in a different light. I tried to think of a way to illustrate this idea of once you receive something, you you view yourself differently, you act differently, you think differently, you talk differently. And there's a lot of things that we could talk about from politics to to positions in in business and, you know, family. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about this morning, because I can speak to this very personally, that is being the pastor of Chicopee Baptist Church. I finally got me one with my name on it that says Pastor. I've been here four and a half years. It's taken me that long for me to finally get my name on a name tag. I guess you've decided to keep me a little bit longer. But you see, that says Chicopee Baptist Church, Clyde Self, Pastor. With that name tag and that position here at this place comes a certain level of expectation from you and from everyone else I come in contact with. I live in a glass house. What does that mean, you live in a glass house? You mean your whole house is made out of glass? No, my house is not completely made out of glass, the one that I live in. That would be weird. (laughs) But I live in a glass house because everyone looks at me, and as a pastor, there is a level of expectation that I have to be careful what I say, how I act, what emotions I have, what emotions I don't have, how I drive my car, how I buy my food what I order when I go to a restaurant. When I've got this on here, I am representing someone. That's representing you. That's representing God. And if I am wearing this and I look at somebody and I call them a cotton-headed ninny-muggins out of anger. By by the way, that's uh, pastor speak for cussing. (laughs) That's as close as I'm going to get to cussing, all right? Cotton-headed ninny-muggins. That's from the movie Elf. How many of you knew that? All right, we need to do some educating in this room. That's a great movie. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah. If I was to start calling people ugly words and I began cussing at people, what would you think immediately? I mean, let's just be honest. You're going to be going, whoa, wait just a second. Isn't he a what? Pastor. Pastor. What if I was mean to my children? 
Don't say nothing, buddy. <laughs> what if I was mean to my kids and, and, and we were here and I was yelling at, at my son and my face was turning red and I just blah, 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 treated him like trash? What would you think? I thought he was a pastor. What if I'm at the store wearing this right here and, 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 and I walk into the store and I walk up and I say, yeah, I'd like uh, two, two of those 12 packs. Uh, do you know where I can get, get me some marijuana? You know, it's kind of legal now. That, that'd be all right if I got me some marijuana, right? You know, and some alcohol and, and uh, maybe, hey, you know where I can find some more drugs? What would you all be thinking? I thought he was a... If I just started cussing left and right whenever you were here with me at the church during the week and you stopped by and, and I stubbed my toe and out just comes all kinds of cuss words, you would say, I thought he was a... I wouldn't be living up to the worthiness of the calling of my life, would I? So what Paul is saying here is on you is a tag that says, I belong to Jesus. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're wearing a tag that says, I am His and He is mine, and I am representing Him. So what Paul is praying is, praying that, that they may find themselves living up to the standard of honoring God because of what they received. See, we don't do good things and watch our language and, and watch where we go and how we act because we're trying to earn something. So let me clarify that for anybody who thinks that that's, that's what Christianity is about. It's not about earning something. It's about responding to what we've already received to say, God, it's your standard I want to live up to. I want to make you proud and you happy. So he's concerned about the practice of these born-again believers, to be worthy in what God has called them to. So you know what Christian means? Many of you do. It means little Christ, Christ-like. That's what the word Christian actually carries. It, it doesn't mean that you are a Catholic or a Baptist or a Methodist or a Church of God. Christian means you're Christ-like. And if that's what you're wearing, that's how you should be acting. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and therefore we need to walk in that as we are wearing that. So, Paul is praying here in verse 11. He is saying, to this end also we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling. See, each of us, at some point in our life, had God prompt us to bring us to a place where we understood that we were a mess. And God was the only way for there to be an answer. That we had messed up and Christ was the solution. That was that calling, that, that conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that is needed in all of our lives. The second thing is this. Look at this. To this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire of goodness. Fulfill every desire. Desire for good. Pray that God will fulfill every desire for goodness. See, there's a lot of good that comes into our life, does it not? The birth of a child is a good thing. A marriage is a good thing. When you, when you receive a forgiveness of a debt, that's a good thing. When you receive a good report from the doctor, that is a good thing. 
But what about when you receive a bad report from the doctor? What about when that debt is not going to be forgiven, but yet they're going to proceed with foreclosure? What then? See, God wants to do a good work. In fact, He prepared you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 say this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, but we are His workmanship, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. other words, we are God's masterpiece that God has put together so that we may do good work. And it's not always wrapped in a pretty bowl and a pretty package. The good work that God has for us sometimes is wrapped in something ugly and painful. How I wish... Oh, how I wish all of you could have been on the phone with me and Melinda on Saturday when I talked with her. She's the one with cancer in her brain and in her lungs and in her kidney, and she knows for a fact she's going to die. By the way, all of you in here are going to die too. There's your diagnosis. <laughs> but while I was on the phone with her, she said, Pastor, I want you to know and I want you to let everyone know with capital letters, it is well with my soul. She said, don't ask them to pray for my healing. Ask them to pray for my family to be comforted. She said, this cancer has come, but it's not taken away my faith. and It's not taken away my hope. Let me tell you something. Goodness came into her life wrapped in the word cancer, but she is proclaiming God through the midst of it by saying, God, you're still my hope and my trust and my faith. I may have cancer and I may be going to die, but Jesus is still Lord and God is still on the throne no matter what the doctors have said. That is fulfilling a good work that you're called to do even in the midst of a mess. And so often we as Christians think if things get tough, where is God? We act as if something bad that happens in our life surprises Him. It does not. We can get hurt. We can be depressed. Man, all the things I've heard this week, because I just shared a few of them. There's a lot of things I heard this week, and it brought me down. And I'm going to confess to all of you right now. I'm struggling. I'm finding myself on the weekend struggling to get out of the bed because it's bringing me down. But I have hope in a Savior. And I am praying for each of you that you may find yourself worthy of the calling God's placed in your life and that you will fulfill every desire for goodness. God wants to use you and I know you want to be used by Him. And even in the midst of the tragedies of your life, God wants to do great things because of that. So this morning, let's move on. As he is praying here and he's saying these things, and he came in, Oh, that's the wrong book. Sorry about that. 
Verse 11, to this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness. And let me put it this way, and fulfill every work of faith with power. Fulfill every work of faith with power. God's desire is not simply for you to to just make it through or get by. He wants your faith to grow. And as you face things in your life, Paul understands we need to pray for one another that our faith will be strong. Not simply because of our own abilities, but because of the power of God. See, today you may be faced with some stuff and a mess We have three mothers in our church who have lost children. One in their 30s, one in their 40s, and one in their 50s. You want to talk about hard? It's hard for them. We have a wife who has lost a husband. We have a lot of hurt and pain, but here's the thing. Their faith can pull them through with power by the Holy Spirit, not through positive thinking. It is God's power that will move and change people. God desires to see our faith absolutely filled up and become something great in the midst of all the mess that we're faced with. There are some truths that are contained here in this chapter that's very interesting. Verse 3, he talks about faith and love. Verse 4, he talks about faith and patience. Here he talks about faith and power. Let me tell you, without faith it's impossible to please God. But with faith you can make it through. The power of the Holy Spirit resides within you. And sometimes people need those who have the Holy Spirit in them to surround them so that they can be strengthened and lifted up. We live in a very difficult world. But we can have faith that God wants to fulfill in us every work of faith with power. Sometimes He's going to work with our faith with small things and sometimes it's going to be big. But we can trust and know and pray for one another that our faith will be fulfilled in every good work that He does. Through power of the Holy Spirit. So why do we pray these things? Why is this important? Why would Paul hit these three things about about praying that we would be counted worthy of the calling God has had on our life and fulfill every desire for goodness and that uh, God would fulfill every work of faith with power? Because we as human beings, we struggle and we become very self-focused. We focus on ourselves of what we have lost rather than what we are gaining. God wants us to see what we are gaining. So let's look at verse 12 as we go on. Here's the why. So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Bible, names are important. They represent the character and the nature of the person who holds the name, the reputation. Everything is built around a name in Scripture. And the name of Jesus is the name above every name. It is the name by which we are saved. It is by His stripes we are healed. The name of Jesus. Some people may say, well, God sure is a selfish God that He wants glory. Let me explain it to you this way. 
If I asked you to lift me up and brag on me because of something I've done when I was not the one to do it, is that right or wrong? That's wrong, is it not? But if I'm the one who did it and you say something good about me because I've done it, then that's not wrong. You're actually speaking truth about something I've done. God is the one to be glorified, not because He desires that He be made something He's not. God is the creator of all things and the giver of all good things and the one that helps us through all things. And He deserves to be glorified because He is the one who does it, not you and not me. Let me make this very clear today. You think you're going to fulfill your dreams. You think you're going to fix problems in your life. You think that if you'll just change a couple of things, everything's going to work out. It will get worse unless you focus on God being the solution. I am here to tell you that there, are, there is no solution outside these doors that will bring you fulfillment and peace and comfort and the real solution apart from God Himself. It's only through Jesus Christ that you're going to find hope, strength, and peace and the solution for whatever you're going through. No other place. So if He is the only place for the solution, He is the one that should be glorified because He's the one who's going to be bringing it. Not because He is some boastful, arrogant God sitting up there saying, oh, come on, tell me more. No, it's because He's done it. I guarantee you, when it comes to lifting weights, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I, I have benched 225 pounds because I got news for you. I haven't benched 225 pounds. But I know someone who has benched 225 pounds who could stand up here and say, hey, I've benched 225 pounds. And we'll say, good job. You deserve the glory for that one. God has done a lot of good things and He deserves that glory. And see, the ultimate goal is to glorify the name of Jesus. Let me be very specific. We live in a culture today, it's really easy for you and I as Christians to cop out by using the word God. Let's just be honest. Let me just be real. We can just use the word God and cop out and keep everybody happy around us. We don't have to cause any, any disturbance, any, any disruption. I still wish somebody would ask me to come pray at some public event. Because I, I, I am 100% sure that I am going to pray in the name of Jesus, no other name under heaven. I am going to say, in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. It will not be in the name of God. I am not there to make somebody feel good. I'm there to give the gospel and the real truth of Jesus Christ. So we have to be intentional of lifting up the name of who? Jesus. Not just God, not our name, but Jesus. The secret to doing all things in Jesus' name, hold on to this. The secret to doing all things in Jesus' name is realizing that I can no longer do them in my name. Ouch. That's some truth right there. When we remove us getting credit and glory, then we can do it in the name of Jesus. So what must I do? What must I do when it comes to this idea of giving God glory and looking at this prayer and what Paul has been praying and how it impacts my life and, and the difficulties of every day? Number one, act like you belong to Jesus. Here's the sad thing. 
There are many people who call themselves Christians that will show up at church on Sunday and on Monday you could never tell it by their language, by their action, by the things they talk about, by the things they look at, by the way they conduct their lives. You would never know that they belong to Christ. Jesus did not die on the cross for you to play half-hearted like you think he's a good person. He is either Savior and Lord or he's a lunatic. Either you've accepted him or you have not. Either He is guiding your life or you're guiding it yourself. So I challenge you now, if you want to put to action the the Scriptures, the Word of God, then act like you belong to Jesus in everything you say and do. The second thing is, desire the good things. Desiring good things. Now I would love to tell you that that encompasses Desire that today when you stop to get gas in your car, as you're sitting there pumping the the tank, you're going to look down and there's going to be a lottery ticket. And you're going to look at it and go, wow, let me pick that up. And you're going to pick that lottery ticket up and you're going to look at it and you're just going to hold on to it. And when they reveal the numbers tonight, you're going to find out you're the big jackpot winner. I'd love to tell you, man, that's what that means is you're going to be blessed. Boy, you name it, you claim it. You're going to get all kinds of good stuff. You're going to be rolling in the dough and all the cars, but that's not what that means. That means that in the midst of poverty and pain, God's going to bring good things into your life. It's going to mean that when you're dealing with with grief, you're going to have God stories. That you're going to have stories that you're going to share with people about how God's been good even in the midst of the trouble. That's the desiring of the good things. We cannot escape life, ladies and gentlemen. Life is going to be tough sometimes. It's going to be hard. But Jesus Christ is always going to be right there with us. Desire the good things from Christ in the midst of the trouble. The third thing is this. Trust God to do what I cannot do. Trust Him to do what I cannot do. You know what that's called? Faith. Live by faith. We have to decide that we're going to act like we belong to Jesus and desire Him to do good things in the midst of all the mess. And we're going to just trust Him to do what I cannot do. See, one of the things that I suffer with sometimes is called a God complex. It's where I want to fix things. I'm a natural fixer. I love to fix it. I love when something's broken and I fix it and it's all good. Me and a good friend of mine yesterday worked on a starter for my mom. And I bought the wrong starter and we didn't get it finished. Gosh, that bothers me. But I like to fix things. And when people are hurting, I want to fix it. When people are diagnosed with cancer, I want to fix it. I like to fix stuff, but I cannot fix everything. I have to trust God to do what I cannot do. And we all have to do that in our life personally. Because there are things in our lives that we can't do anything about. And we have to pray that God will work to fulfill that faith and goodness. When I take credit for something that I have benefited from, I am actually robbing God of His glory. When I take credit for something God has done, I'm robbing God, stealing from God the glory He deserves. It is to Him who gets the glory. 
So here's your seven-day challenge. Here's your seven-day challenge over the next seven days. Intentionally give Jesus credit. Did you hear me? Intentionally give Jesus credit for something you normally don't give Him credit for. Just somewhere during the week. Maybe it's the way you drive. Somebody says, man, you're such a courteous driver. You're a great driver. Well, I just thank Jesus for giving me the ability to drive that way. See how simple that is? But you know what you do in that moment? You stop getting credit with your name and you're giving it to Him. And you know what He does? He goes, way to go. Because it puts us in a place to live by faith. Here's the thing. Today we can look at this scripture and we can think through this scripture and we can try to apply it to our life. But the point of the context of this scripture is praying for each other. These three things. And let me remind you of what A.W. Tozer said. The glory of God always comes at the sacrifice of ourselves. God cannot receive the glory unless we sacrifice ourselves to that end. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that today we can be encouraged that, Lord, you want to fulfill every desire for goodness and you want to fulfill the work of faith with power in our life, not just, not just barely get us by, but for there to be a power that works within us to overcome and to do things that we never thought possible. But, Father, that comes when we completely surrender our life to you. Lord, you are the ultimate goal. We want Jesus to be glorified. That is the calling that you have on us as believers, those who follow Christ as their Lord and Savior. So today, Lord, we ask that you will move in our hearts. Thank you, Father, for your word and for this day. In Jesus' name.